Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. We look at the stock market and the things that make it go up and down. We look at financial legislation that could impact your bottom line. In the Plan Your Prosperity segment, we take a deeper dive into a financial planning topic to help you understand more of the details around it. And finally, in the Ask Peggy segment, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you'd like to send a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and you'll find a box where you can put in your question. Then I'll be in contact with you, probably get a few more details, and then we'll craft an answer that can provide education to the listeners. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. This is for the week ending December 13th, 2019. And overall, it was another good week in the market, with the Dow up about half a percent, the S&P 500 about three quarters of a percent, and the NASDAQ just a little less than one percent. Even gold and oil got in on the act, with gold up one percent and oil up 1.22 percent. The 10-year Treasury yield is now at 1.82 percent, and it went up 3.92 percent for the week, probably because of the statement put out by Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve talking about how he views interest rate movements over the next year. And I think that's important to us because, you know, interest rates impact the bond market so directly and the stock market indirectly. So let's talk a little bit about what Chairman Powell said. He began his remarks by talking about the passing of Paul Volcker. And even if you're not really into financial news, Paul Volcker and the Volcker rule are pretty common in traditional people knowing um, that that's a financial person. He was the chairman of the Federal Reserve from 1979 to 1987. And one of the things that he did was tame the double-digit inflation that he inherited. Additionally, he set up some guidelines and guidance to try to help unexpected financial market movement. For instance, the Volcker rule was a rule that surrounded how people could trade, and it was designed to keep investors from driving down the price of a stock. However, I think the nicest thing that um, Chairman Powell said about Chairman Volcker was talking about his character, and I'm reading right now from his remarks. He believed that there is no higher calling than public service, and he dedicated the lion's share of his life to it. With courage, integrity, and tenacity, he always pursued the policies that he believed would ultimately benefit all Americans. 
So whether you like Chairman Powell or not, and whether you liked Chairman Volcker or not, I bet you're like me, and I hope that when I die, someone says words like that about me. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have our integrity, we really don't have anything at all. So then Chairman Powell moved to talking about interest rates. And he talked about how they were increasing rates last year. They were concerned that inflation might get ahead of them, and the market was looking very good. And then this year, the international markets especially, he said, were softening. There were some risks out there. And that's what led to the interest rate um, declines. They did three-quarter point cuts. So interest rates now are three-quarters of a percent less than they were at the beginning of the year. He is not anticipating any further interest rate cuts. He is still somewhat concerned that inflation is very sluggish. Now, you would think that would be a great thing, but when inflation is 2% to 3%, it's a very healthy market environment. Right now, inflation is actually running low. That makes me believe that he really probably is done lowering rates. And there was no political fallout from his statement this week. I think it's very possible that his statement wasn't noticed by a lot of people on Capitol Hill because of the other events that were going on. But it doesn't look like he got any pressure because he didn't lower rates further. And I think that probably right now the Fed is going to be on a course where the interest rate stays where it is right now, probably for a considerable period of time, especially given that next year is an election year. And typically the Fed tries to be pretty hands-off and not do something that would really tip the scale on either side in election years. So we'll have to wait and see. But right now, two years before the end of the year, and everything looks pretty good. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and we have two interesting legislative issues to discuss today. The first is a bill that has been proposed by Rand Paul that would allow people to use their retirement savings for paying off their student loan debt. And you may have an initial reaction like I did, which is, we don't want to do that. But the longer I've thought about it, there may really be a point to setting it up this way, especially when people know in advance what they're doing. So although the money could be used retroactively, he's really wanting to propose a savings for college methodology out of this. So it's just a bill. It's in the Senate. It hasn't gone anywhere for markup, and we don't know how much it's going to cost from the Congressional Budget Office. And I'm not sure it's going to go anywhere, but I still think it's an interesting idea. What he wants to allow people to do is take $5,250 out of their retirement account every year, income tax, and penalty-free. So you put the money back in pre-tax dollars and you take it out in pre-tax dollars, which is a nice savings. It lets you, it lets you have all of the tax benefit 
out of that money as possible. And in addition, their parents can do the same thing. So they said that if two parents and a college-bound child put aside the maximum yearly amount, it would be $15,750 a year in pre-tax money to help pay for college. This is better than the 529 plan, which allows you, it works like a Roth, and it allows you to put money in in after-tax dollars and have income tax-free growth. The 529 plan is an interesting college savings vehicle, but the ability to put it back in pre-tax dollars and then not pay any tax on it when you took it out, that's actually more appealing. He wanted to create this plan to combat some of the plans that are being put forward by the Democrats running for president next year. For example, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are wanting to do away with tuition at public universities, where um, Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Amy Klobuchar are trying to provide two years of tuition-free community college. That was a program that was initially endorsed by President Barack Obama, but there hasn't really been a lot of work on the Republican side to try to create some relief for the student loan debt. I'm not sure I think this is going where anywhere, as I said at the beginning of this section. I'm also not sure that with people strapped for savings as much as they are, that it would be as useful as it looks on paper. Remember, if this does become law and you're thinking about doing it, you have to look at your own retirement projections. If you start taking money every year out of your retirement money, what is that going to do to your retirement plan? Although student loan debt is tremendously problematic, there are enough solutions on the table right now. I'm expecting something to happen within the next one to five years, making it easier for students to handle their student loan debt. You will create a bigger problem for your student child if you're in financial situations when you're in retirement. So remember, you take care of yourself first, but if this bill should become law, I think it would be very interesting um, to look at it more closely. Now, the second story of the week involves how practically anyone can get taken advantage of by people who are trying to mislead them. And in this case, it's the Securities and Exchange Commission's leader, um, Jay Clayton, who apparently was duped as he was putting forward a proxy initiative. So the proxy initiative was a way to kind of adjust how investment holders could vote their proxies. You know what a proxy is and you don't even know it. If you own any kind of a mutual fund or a stock, you get things in the mail every year and they're asking you to vote on stuff and you have no idea what it is. Well, that's a proxy. And you mail your proxy back. By the way, you should take some time and get informed on your proxies and actually vote them because it's really important sometimes that proxy votes be cast. Most people throw them in the trash. 
And the business community especially was wanting to make some adjustments. And although the details are still a little murky, at least to me, maybe making it harder for very small shareholders to have the right to vote proxies. In any case, there was a real push by the business community for the SEC to take up this initiative. So they put this initiative out for public comment, the initiative making the adjustments to how people voted proxies, and they got responses back from a teacher and from some retirees and from um, some military vets. The only problem is they all came from one organization called 60+. Plus. And 60-plus sounds great. It sounds like a senior citizen um, network trying to provide support. But it's actually not. According to um, Senator Chris Van Hollen, who is a Democrat from Maryland, he described it as a dark money front group that corporations use for messaging. So 60-plus actually isn't a group designed by senior citizens. It's a group that's owned by corporations. Um, And even though it's dark money, they've discovered that Chevron and Exxon, and I'm sure that it's way more than the oil and gas industry, were trying to fund this. So you had the organization 60 plus, but then it came out that the retired couple were the mother and father-in-law of the head of 60 plus. And the military veterans were the brother and the cousin of the chairman of 60 plus. And the teacher says she has no idea where this letter came from. She didn't write it. So here's the message first. I think it's very, very important. When they put forward a call for comments, this is one reason why I do a legislative update. I think it's important that you try to stay aware and actually comment because your voice matters a lot. And then all of us, including apparently the chair of the SEC, needs to be careful and do a little research before we assume something is something that, in fact, it isn't. So stay tuned, and then in the next section in Plan Your Prosperity, we're going to talk about retirement plans. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and today we're going to talk about retirement plans. It's so common for people to come into my office and be absolutely ashamed that they don't understand investing or their money or the stock market or how much they need to save. And they feel like somehow this is a personal failure on their part. And I usually have to spend five to 10 minutes explaining that it's not. Well, I don't have quite that long today, but let's summarize why if you are so overwhelmed by your um, investment accounts, you're perfectly normal. If you'll think back a couple of generations, and that sort of has a little bit to do with how old you are right now. I'm 53. And so when I'm thinking back a couple of generations, I'm thinking to my grandfather, who would have been 105 this year if he were still alive. He retired from a corporation, and he had a pension, and they gave him some company stock, and he had his Social Security benefit, and that was his retirement. So the only investment he even needed to think about 
was the company's stock in the company where he worked. Back in the day, if you worked for any kind of a company that provided you with a retirement benefit, that was how it was done. You didn't make the investment decisions because most of your money was held in a pension, and the investment decisions were made by the people who were handling your company's retirement plan. Well, those days kind of began to come to an end in the 70s when they came up with the concept of the 401k plan. Hey, let's give people control over their money. And then companies realized it was much safer for them to promise to give each employee a certain amount of money than it was to promise them a certain amount of benefit. Because if the stock market tanked, the company had to make up the difference, and the pension managers had to do a good enough job that it didn't send everything right over the cliff. That's part of what went so very wrong in 2008. Some of the most safe investments or safe-appearing investments that were in the pension plans blew up because of the housing crisis. And so one of the reasons why a lot of pension plans went away after the 2008 crisis was because investments that the fund managers believed to be safe were in fact not safe. So now they've given you an amount of money and it's up to you to make investment decisions. And they may have a default investment that they put you into if you don't make an investment decision. That default investment is called a Qualified Default Investment Alternative, QDIA. Typically, it's a target date fund. A target date fund is a fund that has a year associated usually with the year you would turn 65 or close to it, and then periodically this fund becomes more conservative over time until when you're 65, the fund is at the level of risk that the fund managers think. So it's kind of a cool option if you don't want to deal with the stock market at all. We've talked about um, target date funds in other episodes of the show. They have some issues. I don't want to go into them right now, but if you've done nothing in your company plan, you're probably there. A lot of people, though, think they should be making decisions, and they don't know how to make them. And let me tell you right now, the reason you don't know how to make investment decisions is it's really likely that you are the first or second generation to need to do it. Okay, you go back a couple generations, nobody who was a typical person was in the stock market. That was really kind of reserved for people with money. Well, today now, everybody's stuck in the stock market, or many people are stuck in the stock market, like it or not, because they don't have a way of earning a pension without making their own investment decisions. Now, some jobs still don't have retirement plans, and that becomes problematic because then you have to open your own account, an individual retirement account, and save on your own. If you're lucky, you have a job that has a plan. So let's talk about some characteristics and some strategies so maybe you can be less stressed. If you have, if you work for a corporation, you probably have a 401k plan. 
If you're a teacher or you work in the not-for-profit segment, you may have a 403B. If you work for the government, you may have a 457. All of these are similar in that you put money back in pre-tax dollars and the money grows, and then when you retire, you pay the tax when you take the distributions. If your employer puts money into the account on your behalf, you need to be very sure you understand how they do it. If they put it in whether you participate or not, your participation is probably important from a financial planning perspective, but is less important from getting the maximum benefit you can receive. Most employers match. And I believe that you should try to take full advantage of an employer match. That means if, you, if they match you up to 3%, you put in 3% of your salary, and then they put in 3% of your salary. Now, even without any market return at all, that's 100% return on your investment. You put in 3 now you have 6 one of your first goals in working with your retirement plan is to maximize the contribution up to the level of the match. Do anything you can to try to be able to participate up to that level. Then you'll want to talk to a certified financial planner practitioner about your retirement plans. And from there you can figure out how much additional money you should defer into the 401k or the 403b, or would you want to fund an individual retirement account? The contribution levels of company retirement plans are always much higher than those of an individual retirement account. Additionally, those retirement plans generally have those screened funds that I was talking about when I was describing the target date fund. There's the default investment, but then there's screened investment, so you're not having to go out and look at the entire universe of the stock market to try to put something together. Now, we have a tendency to avoid situations where we aren't comfortable. Every year, probably, to your workplace, someone comes from the plan sponsor and they talk about the retirement plan. And if you're like a lot of people, you skip that meeting because you don't understand it in the first place. I don't want you to do that. I want you to go to the meeting and I want you to go with a list of questions. And then at the very least, I want you to get the card of the person who gives this presentation. And then I want you to email him or her your list of questions because they can work with you individually through an email transaction and answer a lot of it. You know, they're getting paid to do this. This is their job. So don't let them give you quick, glib answers. Really make them talk to you until you understand what's going on. Sometimes in company plans, you have the ability to make your contribution in after-tax dollars. If you do, you should get with your CPA and your financial planner to decide whether or not you'd want to pursue this option. There's so many variables, and remember, I can't give investment advice because I don't know what's going on in your life. 
but you might seriously consider it if it makes sense from a tax perspective. That way, you'd pay your taxes now. When tax brackets overall are so low because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and then not have to pay income tax on the growth later when you're taking the distribution. In any case, talk to your human resources department, talk to the plan sponsor, talk to everyone who understands your plan. Take the time to understand it. You can do this. Do not be overwhelmed. Do not avoid it because you're confused. You will be very glad you spent the time to do it. Coming up in the Ask Peggy segment, we're going to talk about required minimum distributions from IRAs when the beneficiaries have different ages. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Remember, if you have a question for the show, go to askpeggy.com and submit it. You might also want to look around. It's a good opportunity to read my blog and see what I've been doing, let you learn a little bit more about me. Today's question is really important, and people don't think about it enough. The question is, Peggy, my children have a wide range of ages. How can I help them with the amount of required minimum distribution they'll need to take when they inherit my IRA? This is a great question. It's kind of a technical question. So let's start out by explaining what happens when you have an IRA and you die. You have set beneficiaries for that IRA. For a lot of people, their initial beneficiary is their spouse or their partner. And so that's the person who receives all of the money, and it's not much of an issue there. But perhaps you've also set contingent beneficiaries in case something happens to your partner. Or maybe you're now widowed or alone, and you're looking at your children as being your beneficiaries. When you have multiple beneficiaries, the IRS determines how much money needs to be taken out of the account for that required minimum distribution based on the age of the oldest beneficiary. So if you have a beneficiary, or if you have an IRA with three beneficiaries, maybe you have two children and a grandchild, and you decide you want to split it three ways. So you've got one child who's 60 and one child who's 40 and a grandson who's 30. Every one of them will have to take the required minimum distribution that you must take if you're a non-spouse beneficiary based off the age of the 60-year-old beneficiary. Now, if you don't have a wide range of ages, you probably just want to leave this problem alone. But you might, if the IRA has enough money, and I'm going to let you define what that means, consider splitting it into two IRAs. And then each IRA could have a different beneficiary. It wouldn't even have to be divided evenly. If you had one beneficiary 
who was a much younger person, you might consider carving out that smaller amount of money going to the younger person and leaving them just that amount and then dividing the rest of the IRA between the beneficiaries who are closer to the same age. Now, if it's a small IRA or if you know that they're going to liquidate it and pay the taxes and take the money, then this probably doesn't make any sense. But if it's quite a bit of money and you think it will stay invested and that person will take their required minimum distribution from it every year, then it might make sense to pay attention to the ages of your beneficiaries. It will help them lower their tax liability over time. Well, I cannot believe, again, how rapidly the show is going. Remember that the end of the year is upon us. Check your last-minute tax items. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. You'll want to be prosperous. Oh, shoot. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.